0: Welcome to A Walk in My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, Makini Smith. Hey, Faith Walkers, thank you for joining us in the A Walk in My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to own their stories, conquer their fears so they can reach their goals, but I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding and even more inspired by her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony, and since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Natalie Wilson. She is the founder of High Heel Diaries, a platform to support women on their journey of personal growth Self love, healing, and acceptance. Natalie is a mother, a wife, a motivational speaker, a certified coach, practitioner, a licensed paralegal, an event host, a talk show host, a philanthropist, a blogger, and a three time breast cancer survivor. She hosts an annual fundraiser called A Walk a Mile in My Shoes, supporting women one step at a time. Please welcome to the show Natalie Wilson. Hello, hello. Hi, Nikini. <laughs> Hi, Natalie. Thank you for joining us today.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: I appreciate you being open enough to come on and share your journey with us.
1: Absolutely. Without doing that, you know, women women need the support and they need to hear the testimony of others in order to get that courage up to speak their own voice as well.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I was sitting in a coffee shop months ago and I went to walk actually to the restroom and they have this board where they allow people to post, you know, their business cards and flyers. And my eyes Mm -hmm. were automatically always drawn to anything stiletto related. And I had seen (laughs) the flyer for your fundraiser walk a mile in my shoes. And I was like, oh, I don't know who this is, but I need to look into her. And I immediately (laughs) followed you. Yes, it worked. It worked for me. You got me. I'm hooked. Good, good, good. So I immediately followed you on Instagram and started to learn more about your story, and knew that I had to have you on the podcast at some point. So thank you so much for saying yes.
1: Thank you, thank you for for seeking me out, and I'm I'm happy to be here right now. Awesome. Definitely, I'm I'm so happy that uh, you came across my flyer. I've heard so much about you, and I'm honored right now to be speaking with you.
0: Awesome, awesome, stars aligned. <laughs> yes, for sure. I believe that. As women, we have all these different titles that we go by, but a title that is not given enough significance is our name because our names have meaning. So as an icebreaker question, I love to ask the women that come on, do you know what your name means?
1: Mm -hmm. I think I was born on Christmas Day, to be honest. Hmm. I, I feel like that's what it means I, I feel silly right now at my age to not know what the meaning of my uh, name no.
0: is <laughs> listen there's so many people that don't know <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that there are so many people that don't know right. and there are people that did know at one point and forgot because how often do right. we really ask that right
1: right right
0: yeah I googled it and the meaning is the birthday of the Lord so
1: yes Ah, you see, I knew, I knew it. Yep. <laughs> awesome. And you know, it's funny that, you're, that we're talking about that because it's very um, poignant right now with this conversation that we're having. Not that I feel that I'm <laughs> anything like a Lord. I mean, I try to walk in my faith as, as best as possible, but born on the day of the Lord to me is, is very touching, very important to me. I mean, to what better honor to have than to be born on the day that, well, I'm not born on that day. We're not born on Christmas day, but to have my name meaning that.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And every time someone says your name, they're affirming that. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank so, you, mom, dad.
0: <laughs> right. And sometimes mm-hmm. our parents don't even realize when they name us what they're doing, yeah. or the intention that they're setting for our lives, right?
1: Or maybe they did.
0: True. Very true. No. Maybe they Absolutely. Did. Maybe very they did. true.
1: Yeah, very true. Yeah.
0: You, you know what, even though you say that, like when, when I was having my kids and I was looking into what I was going to name them, the meanings were actually very important to me. So I know that intentionally, yes, I did. I don't know if my parents right. did with me, but yes. Right, yes, right, right. Yes, yes, for sure. So I like to go well, backwards before I go forwards. So mm-hmm. I would love to know, Natalie, what did you want to be when you were a little girl? A maid. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> Honestly, and, and what inspired that? The honest truth. Well, okay, so my mom, single mom, predominantly with. I mean, she had her struggles, and and we, uh, you know, I had a couple stepfathers, but she predom- predominantly raised four children on her own, and but our house was immaculate. Mm-hmm. No one would ever knew, know that she had young children, and I always, I love that. I, I think from a young age, I well, you're born. Um, with your personality and, and mm-hmm. your, you know, your story inbred in you from the moment, you know, you're conceived. And I think I was born a t- type A personality. <laughs> I was just that clean freak, you know, organized. And it's really stayed with me throughout my life. But I always loved being, I loved being in clean spaces. I loved being organized, in organized spaces. And I always wanted to do that. And I always wanted to make other people's spaces clean and organized.
0: I love and, that. You know,
1: that. That really, you know, brings it all the way to here and now and to what I'm doing. But I guess it was, you know, the beginning was way back when, when I wanted to be a maid. (laughs) That's awesome.
0: You know, I actually read something somewhere about the tidiness and the cleanliness of your space says a lot about what's going on in your head. The fact that you're out here helping others to heal and you're inspiring and doing all those amazing things, but you wanted to be able to organize and clean from when you were a little girl.
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, I'm, this conversation is—I'm I'm sitting here thinking about it. and I'm shaking my head that the question was a great question because now when I think about it, I'm like, wow, that started from back then.
0: <laughs> and that's why I love to ask that because sometimes there are women yeah. that come on, and what they wanted to be as a child totally relates mm-hmm. to where they are now, or it yeah. was this startup or something that inspired where they are now. And there yeah. are some women that didn't see the correlation. You know, there was a woman Mm -hmm. who looked up to, there was a female hip-hop artist that she looked up to back in the day, and that female hip-hop artist started doing radio shows and interviewing, and this woman is now a journalist, and she didn't Mm -hmm. realize until now, you know, based on the correlation, by asking her what she wanted to be as a little girl.
1: Right, yep. So well, here I am. I'm not amazed, <laughs> but you know, I'm still trying to help clean up people's lives.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Share with us the story of how you got to where you are today, doing what you're doing now.
1: A little bit of background information about uh, again, I, I started off with my my home life and my mom, fabulous woman. She's seventy-one now, and she wouldn't, you would never look at her and think so. But she, she's that young, energetic seventy-one, energetic grandma, very involved raised us right with these you know firm beliefs and morals we were born and raised um, Roman Catholic so always had a, a strong faith behind us these guiding principles of you know do good live good you know everything comes full circle and we lived a good life things kind of took a turn for the worse when my mom and my stepfather separated and we were kind of scattered all about before children. We weren't children anymore. I was 16 at that point. And staying with a friend, my mom's friend, my mom and my younger sister were staying with another friend. My brother was staying with his friend and my older sister was staying with another family friend. And we were kind of separated. And, and that's mm-hmm. kind of when life started to spiral downwards and getting myself into some trouble. And uh, my husband came into my life. And I call him my savior because, you know... <sighs> He really stopped me from continuing on with that downhill spiral, and mm-hmm. he's just such a good, good person. Just like there's nothing I can say that he he does wrong, you know. Apart from <laughs> <laughs> he's he's not a saint. Nobody is, but I mean, you know, being with someone for thirty years, of course I have my complaints, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But um, things started to get back on track, and then um, when I was twenty nine, my younger sister was twenty four, and she was shot and killed. Oh, wow. I'm so sorry for that. Thank you. I've never thought in my life that I'd be able to, because I'm such an emotional person. Like I'm just so sensitive to all issues. Mm -hmm. I can cry and cry at the drop of a dime, but it's because I really feel. I feel deeply for people, and I never thought I'd ever be able to deal with something like that. And so when that happened, and every day was just a miserable day. I cried all day, cried every day, and we buried her, and it's an unsolved murder. So we wow. have no final answers. And of course, at that point, not that I didn't know this already, but, you know, I started looking at life differently and, and appreciating the little things. Although little things are big things, I started appreciating them more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I realized that, you know what? Okay, it, this pain doesn't go away, but it becomes easier as you go along, as the days and weeks and months go along. And as you support one another, it becomes easier to bear. You never you forget. it just they learned to cope. Mm-hmm. And um, no sooner than, I'd say within a year after that, my, my grandfather died in Jamaica. And then about six months after that, my uncle died, a uncle that I was really close to, of a brain tumor. Wow. Healthiest man, healthiest, healthiest man you could ever find. I worked for United Nations in Eritrea. And we were really close. And just here we are with this news. And I was there when he died. Wow. And if my sister's death wasn't enough, to solidify the fact that we need to live right and do right and love one another. And having my grandfather and my uncle die so soon thereafter really, really hit it all home and got pregnant because I wanted to, you know, give my mom something to look forward to being happy about again. Mm-hmm. And we got pregnant with our second child and I was pregnant for about four months and I lost it. Oh, and so I Took another four months, yeah, thank you. Took another four months to get pregnant again. And then, you know, a lot it happens to a lot of women. So it's not news that people are going to be like, oh, wow, sorry. I mean, I I appreciate your condolences, but Mm -hmm. it happens so often. And until it happens to you, though, you don't understand the gravity and the severity of how that feels. It's a living being that you're growing and nurturing in your body and you've become attached to it. And then now you have to, Lay it to rest, or it's no longer going to be yours. You, you, these plans that you had is, is no longer going to be. So we tried. You know, soon thereafter, and got pregnant again, and there came our second child five months later. And the me no word of a lie. If I didn't believe in reincarnation then, I so definitely believe in it. I believed in it once my my second daughter was born because Paris, her name is, came into this world, and she is everything that my sister was. Wow. She looks like her. She acts like her. She has a personality, <laughs> temperament, everything like her. We <laughs> fight like how many.
0: <laughs> I have goosebumps right now.
1: <laughs> yes. And so, you know, that, you know, like I said, we already I had, had a strong faith, but it just was growing and growing and building. And I, all these things happening made me realize, yeah, God, it's so real. She mm-hmm. really is. Mm-hmm. Not just because my father or my my priest or my pastor or the church says so but because i'm experiencing him yes and so then i had my son so my daughter was three when i had our son Mm -hmm. The five months after he was born um, i felt a lump in my breast and i had stopped nursing him probably about three months normally i nurse my kids for about you know six seven to nine months um, but this time around, I was like, you know, I don't know. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. like, it's coming close to Christmas. He was born September 11th, by the way. Oh, wow. And coming close to Christmas, we have these two other children. I'm busy. This baby's nursing. He loves one breath more than the other. And I'm like, okay, I'm tired of being attached to this rocking chair with this baby on my breast. Mm-hmm. So let's change this up a little bit. So I decided to bottle feed him and. God was working because if I had not done that and had my breasts go back down to their normal size, I would not have felt that lump at the time that I did. Mm. And I went into the doctor right away, got an ultrasound and mammogram right away. And they came back saying that they were nothing. I was like, okay, well, mm, this doesn't feel like nothing because I don't have fibrous breasts. I'm not one of, those, one of those women that have, you know, a lot of women have fibrous breasts or at yeah. certain times of the month, they feel lumpy. Yes. Um, I never, never had breasts like that. So I asked for a second opinion, and the doctor said, come back in six months and we'll take it out again. We'll take out the lump. The lump came out um, and turned out to be high-grade, aggressive, growing ductal carcinoma in situ. Wow. Um, So A lot lot of women will know it as DCIS. So it's an early-stage cancer, but it was HER2-positive, which is estrogen receptor and ER ER-positive. So our breast cancer is most of the breast cancers are estrogen fed fortunately and unfortunately for women it makes us what we are we we are high in estrogen but a lot of the products that we ingest also are high in estrogen right milk dairy like all that stuff so my breast cancer was a high grade aggressive growing er positive uh, cancer and had it not been detected when it was it could have metastasized very quickly,
0: you see how um, important it but, is for you to know your body. And you saying absolutely. that it's not nothing.
1: Absolutely, I just knew. I was like, no, I'm not going to settle for that. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no way that I'm just. Gonna, I like until it's affirmative and actually you can take it out and physically test it. I can't go by, and that's how I am with women when I speak to them now. Like, don't just let someone tell you, "Oh, it doesn't feel like anything, so it's nothing." Right. I'm like, right. mm-hmm. I'm like, no, sister, <laughs> get yeah. that taken care of. Yeah. So the lump came out and it was is what it was. And of course, it was devastating. I was by myself. My husband didn't come to that appointment with me because it was a follow up appointment two weeks after my lumpectomy. So I mm-hmm. thought, you know, I'm good. I'm good. I can go by myself and just get my stitches out. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, didn't expect to hear this news. That was the beginning of that part of my journey. So we have You know, all the things leading up to this now, you know, the death, the death and birth of my my children. And it was like God preparing me. Mm -hmm. And when I look back at it all, I I realized that that's exactly what he was doing. Because now here I am with this personal journey, this personal struggle. And although everything else was personal, but this is physically happening to me. Right. How am I going to deal with this? You know, now my direct children my husband my my immediate family are affected by it because of me mm-hmm. right and that's where it all started and I went through multiple surgeries I ended up having a double mastectomy although it was only in one breath I just I told the doctor she said we can do this Natalie we can you have this lump we took it out we know what it is I, she gave me an MRI with the MRI it showed that there were other suspicious areas around the margin area where the lump was taken out, which means that there's a chance of the breast cancer returning because there's some other little microscopic. So I said, I know my personality. I'm not the person that's going to sit there and wait for it to happen. So I can then be reactive. I want to be proactive. So she said, we can take out more tissue or we can go and do a, a mastectomy and then rebuild you. And then when she gave me that this one key word, she said, subcutaneous mastectomy. I said, "Well, what is this?" It's where you leave your nipple and you go in and take out ninety-five percent of your breast tissue, and you you move forward, you rebuild, and that really helped me make my decision. I was like, "Okay, I can have my nipple still. Mm-hmm. Let's go, let's go." She said, "Go home and talk to your husband about it, and then come back and let me know." I was like, "I'm good. I'm honestly, I love my husband. I appreciate his opinion." But this is my body, body. and I'm going to make a decision for me, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you what I want to do now. So we set the appointment to do the surgery, and I have had a double mastectomy, started the reconstruction process over. And long story short, I had a lot of complications with my reconstruction. My breasts just weren't cooperating. I had a lot of healing issues. I have an underlying blood condition, but they don't even know what it is right now. But I have a hard time healing. My blood doesn't clot easily. Mm -hmm. So I formed hematomas. I had two blood transfusions. I formed a lot of scar tissue, which, you know, squished the implants and caused a lot of pain um, in my muscle. And I had to go in to take out the scar tissue. So I had about nine, ten surgeries before she decided to send me to a specialist. Wow. The specialist, yeah, the specialist added what they call human cadaver tissue to my breast muscle in order to form a hammock. Because by this time, my breast muscle was similar to like a cheesecloth, so it's not holding this implant. So you can mm-hmm. imagine, I have, I've already had small breasts to begin with. My husband used to joke, and no offense to anybody who has small breasts, but he used to, we used to have this running joke that. You know, I must have nursed, nursed like 10 children prior to him because my breast is so <laughs> small. I was like, how dare are you? <laughs> and it was a joke. But, you know, I, I had small, insufficient breasts. So, you know, and then we're messing with them surgery after surgery. By mm-hmm. this time, they were not holding anything. So she sent me to a doctor at St. Michael's and she started a process of grafting fat from um, different areas of my body to the breast added the human cadaver tissue, and I was on my way to finally about to close this chapter of my life until my 13th surgery in 2016 is when she detected that there was more cancer. Oh, wow. So here I am at my last surgery thinking, okay, yay, to the closest chapter of my life. No more surgeries, no more being put under, no more worrying. You know, if we're not, I'm not going to come out of this surgery alive. Every time I go into surgery, I worried about that. Like every time I, yeah. I said goodbye to my children, my husband, and I, you know, followed the nurses down the corridor to the operation room, I wondered if it was going to be my last. Mm-hmm. And now she's telling me that I had cancer again. It was devastating. It was hard to hear. I quickly got out of that flight mode and I turned into this fight, got into this fight mode where I'm like, okay, what do we do next? What's mm-hmm. next? What are we going to do here? Yes. Yeah. And I find that that's what what happens with me is that, and, and it might be too part of my personality that, again, I'm a very sensitive, emotional person. And, you know, how could you not feel emotional about something like this? But then after I go through those motions, I'm like, okay, let's whip out of it and figure out what we're going to do next. Mm-hmm. And so we went in for surgery again, and she fixed up what she needed to fix up, got rid of the cancer. I had complications because of that, because of the amounts of tissue she had to take out in order to get rid of it. Oh, by the way, I didn't even say that. It was nipple cancer. Oh, goodness. So it's very important. I don't know how I can forget to say that because of the fact that here it is that I was so happy about being to able keep to keep, keep nipples. my nipples. right, And here it is now. It was nipple cancer. And as a side note, you know, no one ever told me that there was such a thing as nipple cancer. Mm-hmm. I was never given these precautions that if you do keep your nipples, by the way, this is a possibility. Right. Um, They call it Paget's disease of the nipple, nipple cancer. So, um, and I never came across it in all of my research because, you know, I was one of those people that were good about researching information in order to be informed enough to ask the right questions of the doctor.
0: Yeah.
1: So didn't know, and here it is, this is nipple cancer. So she went in, she took off a great piece of my nipple and areola and um, sewed me back up. And my breast was just not having it. It was like, I I can't do this. There's too much going on in here. I've been cut out in too many times. And Mm -hmm. I started to literally burst open at the seams and formed like holes. um, I call them pressure ulcers in my breast. And she had to run me back into emergency surgery. And she took away the ulcers in the holes. And she cut them away and started to sew me back up. But she decided that while she was there, she was going to just test. Some more of the tissue to make sure that she got everything. So again, like deja vu, I went back two weeks later to get my results. She told me that I had some additional cancer that was kind of hiding under the underneath (sighs) the surface areas of the skin, and it was just kind of like a brain rocker because here I'm thinking, okay, it's like groundhog. I chose to do yeah, like I I chose to do the mastectomies, thinking that's going to take care of my issue. Right, I was blessed enough that. My cancer was caught early enough that I didn't have to have chemo and radiation, and also because I chose to go so radical and remove the breast, right I didn't have to have chemo and radiation, so I thought I'm going to take care of it by removing my breast, right? Well, not so much and um, so she sent me up for the surgery in order to get rid of the second cancer within two months, and at this point, we had to remove the whole reconstructed breast. Wow. So it was like going going backwards and starting from the beginning. And I'll, by this time it was in 2016. I always laugh and say, Drake made that song for me, Summer 16, Summer 16, yeah. playing, <laughs> playing dirty, not clean, right? Um, <laughs> didn't play clean with me at all, I'd say. And uh, I had to lose that reconstructed breath all over again. So uh, it brings me to a lot of points, a lot of points, Nikini, because at that point I said, okay, um, I'm. I'm done. I need to focus. My body's tired. My mind is tired. Emotionally, mm-hmm. I'm spent. Everybody's spent. I'm back to square one right now. I need to make sure we get this cancer under control and make sure that it's not anywhere else. We had another MRI. I sought out other opinions, other oncologists, for them to let me know you know, whether or not I need to do chemo radiation now at this point. And um, after the test, they said that I was. I, I didn't. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a break for this and I'm going to really just think. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do some real good soul searching and see, like, do I need to do this reconstruction? Mm -hmm. Do what? Why am I doing this reconstruction? Like, what is my reasons, really?
0: Mm -hmm. And on
1: top of that, I started to do a lot more reading. I had a lot more time on my hands because I took some time off of work. And, you know, I had a lot of time on my hands and I was having a lot of visitors. And I just started feeling like, I've learned so much. I've been beat down so much. But in, in the interim, I've also learned a lot about me as a human being, as, a, you know, how much perseverance I have right. and how much I was able to overcome adversity. But I was still at this stage where I wasn't quite sure whether or not I was that strong person that I've been purporting to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? Like, I've gone through all these surgeries and I've bounced back through them. But I was like, okay, I'm here. but I'm feeling these grave emotions right now, like these complicated emotions. Like, what are they all? Mm-hmm. And I started reading and I came across this article by um, Dr. Gail Goodwin. And it was about the 10, 10 stages of healing. Yes. And as I read them, I don't know if you know about them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but as I, as I read, read them and I started reading them in detail, I was like, well, this is what I've been going through all these years. And I'm going to just number them off. I'm not going to go to detail, but they start with shock, denial, pain, bargaining, depression, there's surrender. Like, okay, God, here, you know I, I give myself <laughs> up to you. I can't control this anymore. This keeps coming back at me. I don't know why. I thought I'm doing all the right things, but it keeps coming back. I'm all yours. Then you go to recovery. You get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm going to let him. I'm going to put it in his hands. I'm going to let him deal with it. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be fine with whatever the outcome is. And so you have this rebirth, which is next. And then you go to moving on. And I think I became more of that moving on type of person about the year 2017, where I'm like, okay, how am I going to move past this? Because I can't let breast cancer and having had it three times define who I am, define my life. and Then I started to feel this overwhelming sense of wanting to give back, wanting to teach these women what I've gone through so Mm -hmm. that women don't have to go what I've gone through, teach women how to see and look at all the different telltale signs that could lead them up to possibly having this one day. But let's Mm -hmm. learn to be proactive instead of reactive. Mm -hmm. And I just, I started to feel this overwhelming feeling of philanthropy. It was so strong that I, I called my girlfriend. I was like, I got to do something with this. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I need to get this message out. I have so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. I have so much to share. Her and I, we sat down and we brainstormed ideas and names. And we came up with the name High Heel Diary. And she came up with the flip on the word heel yep. because I'm so, so girly, right? <laughs> so girly and- <laughs> So we gotta say that word heal to healing because yep. this is what this is all about. is healing. And um very curly as you know, I don't know what else what other words to use, but I like the bling, I like crystals and pinks and you know, <laughs> gold and stuff like that. So hence, you know, what caught your attraction, what caught mm-hmm. your attention, my yep. my shoe and the logo and all that. Um, and that's just me. That's just how I am. So that's what high heel diaries. I mean, that's how high high heel diaries that's where I that's what brought me to this point. And, and there's a, there's a, I do a lot with it.
0: So Absolutely. You know, I, I long always... Long story,
1: but here I am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's an inspiring story. And I say to mm-hmm. almost every woman that comes on the show, look at how your pain birthed your purpose. There were so many points within your story where I saw pieces of my own story. And the more that you Mm -hmm. talk, the more I saw pieces of my own story. And that is the importance of sharing all of your stories. You know, we we see ourselves, the social proofing, that we can see ourselves in each other. We can relate to each other's experiences. From you talking about losing your sister. My sister passed away in 2012. And the following year, lost my grandmother in a similar manner. Mm -hmm. So having both of them be in comas until they were declared Brain dead was like traumatizing uh, one year after the Mm -hmm. other. And then my cousin passing away, it was a lot. And then I, as well, had to deal with a miscarriage before I had my son. Mm -hmm. And I actually, Mm -hmm. very, very similar. And I went to Mm -hmm. one alone because I didn't tell anyone other than my husband at the time that I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. So dealing Mm -hmm. with that miscarriage on my own and not talking about it, not dealing with it, and then getting pregnant later with my son. And then you talking about knowing your body. When the doctors said, even though you felt something off, because yeah. 2019, I've been off healing. I had to have a hysterectomy because I had a cyst in my uterus that was abnormal. I had so mm-hmm. many complications after surgery. Like, I'm just listening to everything that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Everything. You're probably shaking your I head saying, oh, my
1: God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah." yeah. yeah. And I think that's the thing, that there are all these stories, that all these struggles and traumatizing life circumstances that we've gone through we are so not alone because so many women have gone through them, but they're keeping it within. Quiet. They're so yes. silent, Yes. right? Because of the stigma that is yep. attached to struggling with certain things in your life and nobody wants to talk about them.
0: Yep. But when Absolutely. they do
1: talk and they find that outlet and that forum to talk to someone or talk in a group where they're supportive because they too have been through something similar, mm-hmm. then they realize mm-hmm. that, you know, they're not alone and Hey, we support you. We're There's not going to you. Mm -hmm. We're a community, and that's why I needed to have a forum where it's multifaceted High Heel Diaries, but women can, the interviews that I do on my YouTube talk show, that women can come and talk about what they've gone through or what they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. But whether it's, again, you know, having lost a child, whether it's divorce, whether it's emotional abuse, sexual abuse, having Crohn's disease, having breast cancer, having uterine cancer, what have you, it's your story. You have to own it first. I realized this was given to you, yep. right? And once you're able to realize that this was your journey and your story and God, is, God, God has given it to you for a reason, Absolutely. and then you figure out what the reason and the, your purpose is with it, then you can then move on. It sounds like, like counseling. Like, yes. You don't go to counseling until you realize that you have an issue first, right? Mm-hmm. And then once you get there, yeah, you know you have an issue, but I need help in order to figure out how to get past that and how I'm going to live this better life because I can't be stuck here. Right. Right. And yeah. part of what I what I knew I wanted to do was to help those who want to get to a better place but just don't know how. I help them to so I, I became a certified coach practitioner to add to what I do with High Hill Diaries. And so I help women that are not yet say they're not yet at that stage where they want to talk about their issue and share it with others as a way of saying, Hey, you know, I've been there, done that, I'm and I'm here and I'm good. You can be too. They're not there yet. But they mm-hmm. want to get there. Mm-hmm. Then I have the life coaching where they can sit and talk with me, and I can help them find their reason. I can help them find how they're going to get past it. So we work I with what's called, yeah, I work with what's called the four R's. We recognize, we realize, we replace, and then we repeat.
0: Mm-hmm. We
1: recognize that you have an issue. Obviously, that's why you're here. Mm-hmm. Realize that there are things that you can do to make your life better. We like that you want to make your life better. We replace it with positive items, positive things, positive acts, positive people, and then we keep repeating that because so the more you repeat something positive, the better it your life is going to be.
0: hmm
1: hmm Right. So yep. that and yeah, that's it's something that I really, really love helping women come when they come to me, and I and I see the state that they're at. And then when they're they're done with whether it's whether it's a five session or a ten session, but when they're done speaking with me and crying with me and laughing with me and they leave here with a positive outlook on life, mm-hmm. let me tell you, Mikini, you know, there there's just no better feeling than that. There's no the, better yes,
0: job. Absolutely. Right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You know
0: what? I, I knew that I resonated with you on a deeper level, didn't know what it was, but mm-hmm. after hearing just even that little bit of your story, because mm-hmm. you know, we've both been able to take our struggles. And to Mm -hmm. use it to inspire others and to build a community of support for other people. And Mm -hmm. on top of our wisdom, we both actually became certified so that we have the research and the science and all of the know-how to actually help them to get the change for the desired results that they need so that we're making a larger impact. So I love that. Absolutely.
1: There's something to say about having the experiences because actually you know what better person than the person that is experiencing things and to tell you about your business and to tell Mm -hmm. you about what you're going through Mm -hmm. right hey I've been there I understand I get it I might be a different person than you are I might interpret and and do things differently but our circumstances are very similar right but there's also something to say about having certification and the professional knowledge of how to help somebody yeah you know what you know let's be honest people do like to see certification exactly because I was long before I got
0: certified but there was something with inside of me saying you know what maybe just so that they feel better because I know I know what I'm doing I've come out of the situation I can tell them the tools that I use but I'm going to add that extra certification to it because Mm -hmm. people like to see that right
1: yeah, and you learn something too. Like even through my, my education, like I've I've learned that okay, you know what, I thought I knew. I I had a pretty good handle on going about how to handle and help somebody, whether it's the personal coaching or whether it was the home stage or the decorating or, or paralegal. But once you actually get your certification, you learn so much more. A lot. Of, yes, I mean? for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So
0: I would love to know what is your largest takeaway from your experience?
1: Is that people are generally good? Mm -hmm. They want to do good and they want to be better. You know, we have this, I think, this negative outtake on life because of what we see happening in the world. Right. And the more I got deep with people about their life circumstances, no matter what they've gone through, what they've done, they generally just want to live good and be good and and live right. And it's, it's humbling because... The world we see, what we see on the news is always so negative and so bad in it. And it's very easy to, to change somebody's outlook
0: mm-hmm.
1: because so much of what you see is so negative.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But when you see that people have a touch of God in them, mm-hmm. everybody has a little bit. Some people have a lot more than others, but everybody has that goodness in them. And it's just for the other person to try to help them draw it out. And right. if we can all do that with one another this world to be such a better place.
0: You know, it's interesting. I was listening to Oprah's Super Soul Conversations podcast this morning and Dwayne Johnson, The Rock was mm-hmm. on it and she was interviewing him 10 days after his father had passed. And one of the questions she asked him was about something very similar. And his answer was exactly the same as yours.
1: Wow. Really? That's awesome. No, but it's so true. Like it's, it's just really so true. Like the hardest people that you talk to and said, like you just give them some of your, a dose of you and how positive you are in life. Let me tell you, I have all the reason to be a negative person. Mm-hmm. I really do. But you choose not to, I, but I'm not, I choose not to. And it's a choice. Yes. Because the feeling that you have when you harbor negative emotions and when you're angry with people and everything is negative and bad, it's like, the stress you feel, the pressure it's you feel on your chest and your heart, it's exhausting. Yeah. And I've even gotten to the point where I've had to just put aside friends and family members that are actually causing me more stress than they are causing me happiness. Mm-hmm. And one might look at it and say, but they're family or they're a good friend. It doesn't matter. They're but affecting your health. doesn't matter to me if, if they were that close to me and that good for my life right now. I wouldn't feel the stress that I'm feeling having them in my life.
0: And I wish so more people would understand selfish. that the, the negative thoughts, the negative feelings and their negative actions actually affect mm-hmm. their health physically and the energy yep. that they put out there and energy is transferable. Yep. So that in turn affects you.
1: Absolutely. I learned that. And I said, you know what? Mm-mm, I can't. And I said, just like that saying, if it was meant to be, it will come back to you. Let something go. If it's meant to be, yep. it will come back to you. Yep. If it doesn't, then it was never meant to be.
0: Absolutely. And
1: there's been some of my family and friends that we've, forced the relationship back again and it's so much better. Mm -hmm. And then there's been those who have stayed away. And I said because they were meant to not be in my life. And I'm well with that.
0: And because you're you're walking in your purpose right now, which is another thing that I tell people, don't be hurt or take offense when people no longer want to be around you, when you're walking in your Mm -hmm. purpose. Because you were when you were being your authentic self, you were either attracting or repelling who was supposed to be around you. Absolutely.
1: So allow
0: that energy to repel them and keep them away because they're not meant to be in your space.
1: Yeah. And um, I I posted on my social media about, you know, having gone through all the surgeries that I've gone through, you know, sometimes people don't say it directly, you know, some of my, maybe my relatives, like my godmother or, or, you know, my auntie who's like old school Jamaican might be very forthright about their Mm -hmm. opinions, but I even often hear or hear the intonation of, you know, why don't you just leave yourself alone? why don't you just leave your body the way it is you're good you know be thankful that you know you don't have cancer anymore and you know this physical being is not important like what you look like physically and I was like I take a minute <laughs> Sometimes like, oh, um. I really want to say something but I'm not yeah yeah that's not who, I am. But a, who are you to tell me who I am who I need to be what I understand Absolutely. what I don't understand Right I know I'm very grateful and thankful to God for curing me. I know mm-hmm. this first mm-hmm. and foremost, I would mm-hmm. not be going forward with any of my reconstructive surgeries until I knew that was behind me. Mm-hmm. Secondly, this is my choice, right. This is my body, because nobody knows the mental stress, the mental anguish, the the psychological anguish, the physical mm-hmm. anguish that one goes through when they're dealing with their own personal struggles, be it emotional or physical. Right. A breast cancer or any other cancer, any other ailment that affects your, your physical body is a combination of mental and physical anguish because you're battling whether or not you should do right by your body and try to build it back so that you can look at yourself in the mirror and see what you saw before. Mm-hmm. But you're also battling with Am I doing it because I'm only concerned about the physical being, or am I doing it because I'm concerned about what people feel or what people think about me and how my body looks? Like, There's so many questions, and it's a a mental war that you Mm -hmm. have to deal with. So I said yesterday in my quote, I said, be careful with what you say to people. Be careful with how you support them. Be careful with your comments or your lack thereof, even for that matter because mm-hmm. you never know how it's going to affect another person. Yeah. And what what you've been through is significant to you. You know it. You only understand it. I don't know what it means for a war veteran to have lost a limb. Right. Because I didn't lose a limb. He knows it. I know what it means to lose two breaths. Mm-hmm. I would I know what it means to be on Tamoxifen for 5 years and be thrown into early menopause symptoms at 35. You know, having the hot flashes and having the emotional upheaval of my hormones, which throws me into an emotional battle. And, you know, my husband and I have almost went through divorce because of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I we went through counseling because I was just an evil tyrant. I can honestly say that. I went through that.
0: But people don't understand your experience. And like you said, people shouldn't pass judgment mm-hmm. um, and use their own i'm going to say their ignorance because mm-hmm. sometimes people say right. things out of ignorance, right? It's it's lack of knowledge. Right. They don't, they don't know your experience. Right. They don't know your feelings. Mm-hmm. They didn't walk through it. Absolutely. So they say things based on their own perception or perspective, which is not yours because they didn't walk through what you walk through. Right. Yeah.
1: And that's why I created my social media platform, of course, for many reasons. But I'll tell you, I'm one of those people that never had social media before. I only created my YouTube and Instagram and Facebook in 2016 when I started High Hill Diaries because I knew mm-hmm. I had to have all platforms to get it out there. I needed people to understand that as, as much as you see this, Natalie, Natalie Wilson, whom they look at and see, a, you know, a beautiful soul. I am a beautiful soul, but don't mm-hmm. forget that I am also scarred. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because had I not gone through what I'd gone through and, and been scarred, I would not be where I am today.
0: Right.
1: I would never take that away for a minute. I right. would never take away the fact that I had breast cancer, McKinney. I wouldn't because it has made me who I am today. Mm-hmm. And it and made me able to touch lives all over the world. Like and I got an email from a family member of a woman that I was speaking to in um, England and she reached out to me. We spoke on the phone, I gave her advice, she had breast cancer, and then it went into her brain and she died. Wow. You know, and the family reached out to me to let me know. And like the fat feeling, a it's devastating because she passed. But the feeling that She wanted to have her children know Auntie Natalie, as she called me. And I barely knew this woman, but she felt that way about me.
0: Yeah. When you you share your stories, you connect to people all over the world, all different types, religions, age, what have you. I totally get it. I feel good and I'm blessed to be here. So how do you feel motherhood has changed how you look at life?
1: Oh, wow. It's changed me a lot. The way I look at life right now, well, for my children, my eldest is 20. Well, to be honest with you, I take that back. I have a stepdaughter, she's thirty-four, gonna be thirty-five. So I've been mothering since I was very young. <laughs> since I was <laughs> sixteen when I came when I started dating my husband, his daughter was two. So I've been going through it and I've I've gone through my ups and downs and learning lessons as a as a young mom. Mm-hmm. Um but as I matured and we got married and I had my first biological child and she's twenty now. I used to be this want to protect. I used to be this mom who didn't want her to watch anything Ugly on TV, no guns, no violence, no swearing. It was always Barney or Dora or something Mm -hmm. like that. And I realized that sheltering your children is not going to help you. It doesn't help them. Help them. No, it doesn't help them. yeah And so now I'm that mom that I will sit with them and I will show them and have them watch certain programs or certain newscasts or things happening around the world because I want them to be educated. I want them to understand that when you walk out there in the world today, tomorrow's not promised. So you right. need to live right. You need to do right. You need to be right by yourself, do right by your friends and family and, and, and people out there in the world. You can walk up to somebody and not know what their circumstances. Right. And they might turn around when I teach them, and they've seen this happen to me, they might turn around and be, negative, angry, say something, you know, unkind to me because they're dealing with something that I don't understand. Right. So instead of me reacting in a negative way, I teach them to just, you know, let it go. Mm-hmm. Because you really don't know what you're they're dealing with. I had a circumstance with a woman who was fighting for a parking spot in the um in the wintertime about two years ago. And she was trying to take the spot and I was like, you know what? Go ahead. Like knock yourself out. And mm-hmm. she rolled down her window and she put her head out and she's cursing at me and I found another parking spot. I went into the store and you know, I went up to her. And I'm like, hm. I said, I wasn't trying to take your spot for one. <laughs> just <laughs> let's get that clear. <laughs> right. Secondly, it was it that big of a deal that it, it needed to you need to go on that badly. Right. Like I'm just asking.
0: The parking spot. Is there like. anything else?
1: Is is there something else? I'm just I'm just offering an ear. And, you know, she turned around and she started to cry. And she reached out and she hugged me. And she said, today marks the day of the death of my mother a year ago. And so she was so just distraught. Everything that was coming across her path was just making her mad. Anything that looked like it was that bad, it's bad. Mm -hmm. You know, everything she was making mountains out of molehills. And so what I try to teach my children, and it, it makes me a better person, too, because it reinforces these things to me every time I try to teach them that, or every yeah. time I teach them something, that just be good. Just live good. Because yeah. you know that not Like, look at Kobe, Ariana, uh, yeah. Georgiana, and the other friends and family seven people lost. Yep. Yep. Like, today, you can walk up the door, I can get off the phone with you and go drive my car. I'm going to take my dog to the vet. I don't know if I'll talk to you again. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. those, are the, those are the things that I try to make them understand to so live right. If you I want think to when you lose so a loved
0: it. one, it makes those things more intense um, when yeah. you lose a loved one, especially when you, you yeah. lose a loved one at a young age. Because, I mean, my sister passed away at 39. I think she was like seven years mm-hmm. older than me. But when you lose someone, it shifts how you view life. It shifts the importance of things. And many people are not as, I'm going to say, What's the word I'm looking for right now? Many people don't take it to the level that we have to say, let's yeah. let's inspire with this. Let's do larger things with this. Let's make a difference no matter what yeah. level it's on. There are some people that do become bitter with it and angry and everything becomes mm-hmm. bad. But I, I definitely feel like when you lose a loved one, it forces you to value life more. It forces you yeah. to live more on purpose.
1: It definitely does. And I, and I really believe that our purpose, and those who are out there making changes in the world, and c- continuously pushing forward to, to make change, that we, we all have a purpose.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think we have to have gone through our negative experiences, our struggles, multiple times in order to fully realize what our true potential and our true purpose was. And our true purpose has come out, because of all that we've gone through. And everybody has a purpose. It's just perhaps, it's not their time yet to be doing what others are doing. Right. But I There's... really feel like it's my time. I feel like it's your time to share what we know and mm-hmm. to make the change in the world that we're doing. And speaking to me, getting my story out there, it will change somebody's life because they'll hear it and say, oh, my I need to do something different. oh my, I need to get checked. Oh my, I mm-hmm. need to go and talk to the family member that I haven't spoken to in so many years because I don't know what's going on in her life.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: And doing what you do, reaching out to me, you reaching out to all the other women that you've spoken about and telling their stories mm-hmm. like that is our purpose. Get their information out there in order to change the world in a better in a better way, little by little.
0: Absolutely. I always say like the smallest thing can mean the world of difference to someone else. And just by having these conversations and getting your stories out there, like you said, the impact that that has, whether I mm-hmm. see the impact immediately or not, but knowing that the ripple effect that it has, even if it's just from one woman hearing your story and what she decides to do with it, with her life, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Those are the things that make me feel good. Those are the things that help me sleep at night. Yeah, so sure. that is why for I'm sure. so grateful to you for coming on. And with everything that you do as a change maker, I would love to know what does your self care routine look like?
1: Oh, my self care routine. Well, I definitely, I sacrifice a lot that I don't you know we're, we're in this work to live world
0: mm-hmm. where we
1: work so much and so hard that we forget about or we don't have time for our loved ones mm-hmm. and those who really need it need the support need the care and, and life is too short for that and I and after 2016 when I we were, my breast cancer came back the third time I was like you know what I don't it's like, like I don't need to, financially I don't need to work full time Mm-hmm. I worked full-time because I was this woman that was just such a go-getter, and I've been working since I was 13, and I have all these, these certifications and diplomas behind me, and I, I have to do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I realized that, you know what, Natalie, you don't have to. Right. You need to spend time on the things that you need to spend time on, the people that mean more to you, the people that mean a lot to you. Do the things that are going to make change. And so I worked three days. And I spend the other days of the week, like I said when I talked to you this morning, mm-hmm. um, I spend it on things that I love to do. If I want to travel, I travel. If I' am gonna go, go away for the weekend with one of my children for their sports activities, I'm gone. I don't stress myself out about things that I don't need to stress out stress out about, because at the end of the day, what will be will be. You know, right. so you can't stress about it. And make yourself. What's the sense in making yourself sick over something and then you're not here? for it anyways.
0: Right. There's so a lot of things that we stress by, about that we yeah. have no
1: control over. Right. So why make yourself ill? Why stress about it when if you can't actually make the change? There's only one person that can make that change. Right. And God will put in front of you and He will help you achieve what you need to achieve. But if, if it doesn't need to be done and it's not that important in your life, He's going to make it known too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's going to make it known as well. So I just like a really... Chill, enjoy my life one day at a time. If it happens, it happen- happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Kind of life. That's just how I am. I love it. Just I love it. What you see is what you get. Very transparent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it.
1: Yeah. So
0: there's yeah. a question that I love to ask all the women that come on the show, and I might yeah. already know the answer to your question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So I came okay. across this Reader's Digest article that basically says that your favorite type of shoe says a lot about your personality. And I like to ask everyone that comes on the show, you know, what is your favorite type of shoe? Is it like a boot, a stiletto, a pump, a running shoe, a flat, a flip flop? What's your favorite red type of bottoms,
1: shoe? Red bottoms, red bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I love stilettos, and I'm not just saying that just because I am a platform heel, four inch heel type of woman. Okay. And so I, yeah, I love my heels. I do love boots Fall time in the fall. I do love to wear my, but I always. I love a stiletto. They got to be a stiletto boot. I love my heels. Okay. So I just feel so, I feel really strong and powerful in them. I get it.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So it says, women in flashy stilettos work hard and have excellent taste. They have wow. major drive, determination, and standout work ethic. This is someone who says yes before she says no. She's very willing and very open to possibilities. She also really loves and values beauty. So she surrounds herself with beauty, whether it be in things, people, or how she lives. It doesn't have to be expensive. It just needs to be pleasing to the eye. Oh, wow. Does,
1: Does that have sound Natalie like you? written by it? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Natalie Teresa Wilson written beside it. So, you see, I told you it's been pretty on point. Oh my gosh, to the T.
1: <laughs> I love Honestly. it. I love it.
0: So love before that. we go Thank to the final that. segment, no problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell the people where they can stay connected with you online. <laughs>
1: Okay, Instagram is, you know, like everybody else's baby, that's where you'll find everything about what's happening, whether it's an events I'm doing an events I'm speaking at, if it's a photo shoot that I've done, if it's a TV interview, whatever it is, if you want to know what's happening and be in the know with Natalie and High Heel Diaries, you'll find it on my Instagram platform. Everything is found under High Heel Diaries. And don't forget it's H-I-G-H-H-E-A-L for healing and then diaries. My Facebook platform, you'll find the same thing, sometimes a little bit more on there. Same thing, High Hill Diaries. My YouTube channel, that's where you'll find my interviews for my YouTube talk show that I do with women here in my High Heel Diaries studio. Uh, LinkedIn, I usually use that for a little bit more for business as far as other businesses that I offer. But some of the things I do with High Hill Diaries, you'll find there as well. And then my website, please, please, please go to my website. I just had it revamped and it's fabulous you'll see a lot of candidates and, and information links resource links there as well highheeldiaries.com awesome That's where you find awesome. me. i i write stories and so you will find any of the stories that are written on my website as well
0: awesome awesome so okay. i will have the links to all of your socials in the detail section of your episode so they can just click right there and connect with you directly they don't have to search too far
1: awesome thank you
0: you're welcome and for the final segment of the show, I call it a walk in her wisdom, which is just some quick reflection questions. And you say the first thing that comes to mind, name one of the most worthwhile investments you've ever made. And that could be money, time, energy.
1: Investment into my walk and mile in my shoes event that I do every year. Love it. Definitely that. Definitely that. Because it brings so much awareness and attention to what I do on a whole mm-hmm. and everybody is supported. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Okay.
0: If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why?
1: It would say that strength doesn't come from what you can do. Strength comes from overcoming the things that you thought you couldn't.
0: Mm. I love that. Yeah. Mm. Wow. I I think that's one of the, I think I live (laughs) by that. (laughs) I definitely love that. What new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? Being honest
1: with myself,
0: mm-hmm.
1: about my purpose, just being honest, because I find that honesty, without honesty, you're really not going to find your true self, mm-hmm. you have to be honest with yourself before you can there help other people. Mm-hmm. So just being very open and forthright about my own personal struggles, has really helped me.
0: I think that's so So big big because there are so many people that are not being honest with themselves. So I think that is big. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Wow. Thank you.
1: Thank you for taking the time to join us. For having me. It was a blessing (laughs) being on the show. And I appreciate the fact that, you know, you sought me out and and we've had this conversation and you just never know who you're going to come across in life
0: that's Absolutely. why i always think
1: it's important to make sure you have your best stilettos on <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> i love it i love it i love it and to all of you faith walkers right. out there until next time subscribe on all platforms and make sure you go to apple podcast and rate the show and leave a review and join the community of faith walkers and sign up for our weekly newsletter at com and grab one of my personal development books available online everywhere And if you can think of one person that would receive value from Natalie's testimony, please share this episode with them. Take a screenshot of this week's episode and tag us on Instagram at High Heel Diaries and at The Real McKinney Smith. And continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling.